Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Guys, welcome back to today's live interview. I'm here today with Lucy Makara, who's a speaker, a trainer, a mentor, and founder of the Business Book Awards. Lucy's published 12 books and, man- and is the managing editor of Rethink Press, uh, which has published over 400 niche business books. Uh, Lucy's here today, very kindly coming on, to tell us about the book that will change your life. And the, the, the clue there is that it's not one necessarily that you read. <laughs> How are you, Lucy? I'm good, thank you, Seb. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for for joining us. So, um, so it'd be great to uh, to uh, to kind of solve that clue straight away. I think because <laughs> I've left everyone on the edge of their seats with that question. Yeah, that absolutely. What could it be? Am I going to give you one specific book that will change your life? No, it's not that. The point about the book that will change your life is it's not a book you read. It's the book you write. And that, that is the one that will absolutely be a complete game changer for your business, your brand, and you personally, as I think you can probably testify. Yeah, 100%. And so if anyone doesn't know, I, I wrote a book um, three years ago, two or three years ago now, um, and it was an absolute game changer for our business um, and, I'll, and for myself as well. And I'll go into a bit of detail on that later if you like. Um, but yeah, that was all with Lucy's help. So it was, it's actually great to have Lucy on here. Because uh, Lucy mentored me through writing a book, so um, before we get into all of that, it could be quite good to to give everyone some perspective on um, on who you are, Lucy, and your and your background. If that's okay. Well, um, <laughs> that's a big question. Yeah. Well, I, I started in publishing. Um, I mean, I've always been an entrepreneur because that's where I started, and my first business um, was uh, I started when I was still at university, and that was a publishing business. In fact, I was in Australia at the time. And um, I started, well, not on my own, but we started a business to publish a monthly theatre magazine, which had never been done in Australia because it's a huge country geographically with not very many people in it. So commercially speaking, it's not a terribly clever thing to do. Um, but we actually managed to, with the help of um, grants from the, um, the, the arts councils, the state councils, we managed to run um, a monthly theatre magazine for eight years years and I have to say it's never been done since it finished when we left Australia and came back to the UK Um, but it was the most extraordinary experience it was it was really really hard work a monthly uh, a monthly magazine is relentless Um, but gosh and this was you know really a long time ago and it was before any printing was digitized before there was print on demand or anything like that so you know we would literally be proofreading um actual sort of thin you know kind of rolls of proof of, of, of copy um it was it was a, a a real kind of induction into the world of publishing that you wouldn't get anymore these days 
Wow. And in, fact, in fact, the interesting thing is that you wouldn't even run a magazine like that these days. You'd have it online. You'd have it as a, a podcast or a blog. Um, but 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 actually, the power of print is really um, interesting because our, our the the magazine. I was also on TV in Australia at that point. I, I became because of the magazine. I became oh, really? a um, TV presenter. Um, oh, but none. <laughs> no, none of that is kind of recorded at all. None of that is, there's nothing of that left. But yeah. all the, um, you know, hundreds of of, uh, uh, of issues of the magazine are in the National Library in Australia and lots of university libraries as well. Um, so that, you know, the power of print is, is, is has real sticking power. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's so cool. I love that. What, a, what an amazing insight into old school publishing that, you know, has influenced what you're doing. Really, really cool. So, so, so you started that when you were 20, is it 22? 21, 21, 21. in fact, yes. And, yes. and eventually you left it, but it carried on while you were not, while, while, you know, while you had left Australia, that carried on. No, 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 the magazine came to an end when we okay. left Australia. Okay. Nobody else was mad enough to take it on. It did get bought out at one stage, but the people, oh, really? the, commercial, the commercial company that bought it realised how impossible it was to run and gave it back to us. Yeah, so right. <laughs> <laughs> brief respite from it and then it came back it, to does, it does sound like the hardest business in the world to run <laughs> it was because it was, i mean that you know obviously the the costs of sales and, and we did yeah. get advertising in and but that actually didn't cover the cost of production so yeah. we needed arts council grants and and I, and it was a period when the arts were well funded in australia but it kind of petered out as um as we got into a much uh, less financially happy time so uh so, um, so sort of looking looking at it from that perspective, you, you've been doing. Let's just imagine. I imagine you've done this business for a year, and it's it's tough. It's very difficult. It's time consuming. Um, what what was it that that made you carry on doing it for for eight years? Was it because you were just so so passionate about publishing and creating content? Um, it was part, part. I think it was more in the first place because we were passionate about theatre, and right. um, Australian theatre was um, was fantastic at that point. We'd gone come over from from London, which was a bit sort of um, jaded in a way, West End theatre, and come to an, an incredible theatre scene in Australia, which was yeah. um, just really vibrant. And and we had um, this is my ex husband and I we had um, run student magazines um, at university in in the UK. Um, theatre magazine. So uh, we, you know, we thought, oh, well, he was an academic. He was lecturing in, in theatre. I was at the university as one of his students. Um, right. and we started this, <laughs> we started this um, theatre magazine and publishing company um, together alongside his, his job and my, you know, my degree. So it was, it was, yeah kind of like workaholic workaholism gone mad really but yeah. uh, no, it's just once you started something you can't just give it up and say oh this is too difficult um yeah. so just carried on <laughs> okay so so eight years into this you obviously you obviously learned a lot of lessons you learned a lot about publishing learned a lot about you know, even more about theater probably and then and then after eight years what was the next step the next step was actually TV, um, TV and video. Uh, we came back to the UK and started a video production company. Um, and again, it was a sort of, it was also kind of a publishing company because we called the, what we were publishing, what we were creating videos, then we called them video books. And they were kind of like the first video um, um, sort of self-help um, videos, if you like. So we did, um, the first one we did was called Becoming a Family, and it was about parenting. Um, and we did cooking with Prue Leith. We did gardening with Alan Titchmarsh. Oh, wow. um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we had, you know, we had really big names and it was the first time that anybody had thought of, you know, kind of doing videos and they were big clunky videos, you know, you couldn't, you had to have a video machine to push them into and, and it wasn't like, you know. Yeah, you, were, you were doing the first sort of, sort of video courses. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and no, one, no one else was doing this at the time. No, no, not at all. And the big, wow. the actual, the really big game changer was <laughs> we did a, a, well, it was one video in the first place, but it became a series and it was called The Lover's Guide. And it was an explicit sex and relationships video, which had Magic. never been done before. And um, it was, but it was, <laughs> it was actually um, rated by the BBFC. So most, you know, explicit yeah. sex videos are, really? are, um, are yeah. yes, exactly. And they weren't for sale. In I wasn't, all I wasn't Okay, so, <laughs> but that was absolutely. I mean, it was really, it was absolutely huge. It made millions. It really did. Really, it's, wow. It was because wow. it had just never been. I know it was proper. It was properly educational about relationships as well as yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, it was a quite extraordinary project to work yeah. on. <laughs> That's up there in your top five interesting project, surely. <laughs> Yeah, okay, really. one of the really interesting things about you that's one <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, i'm just i'm just blown away by that really you were you were basically pioneering um video educational content before yeah. anyone else had done it yeah and exactly. in the same way that myself and tim are spending so much time right now with um small businesses in, in dubai and now other countries helping them pivot online and create online courses yeah. and do all that sort of stuff you know, essentially, you you were doing this, but but when it wasn't online, it was it was video content. You'd buy the video and then you'd learn at home, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was you know, mm -hmm. it was publishing in 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 pictures. It was taking, it was merging publishing books and and television, really, which which wow. really hadn't been done before. Wow, I love that. How how interesting. So so what was at this stage? Had you um. Had you written your own book? Had you published a book at this no, stage? No, no, I hadn't. I had, I'd always, I mean, I'd kind of grown up with the idea that I was going to be a writer, but what, what mm. a writer meant to me was really a novelist. That's what I thought I was going to do at some point. Yeah. Um, but I had no, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't kind of, um, I mean, mostly <laughs> the way my career has gone as things have happened and I've just sort of walked along and, and kind of, you know, fallen into things because they've been but there. Uh, like plan or anything like that so so my plans for writing were were pretty fluid um but what happened after the television bit was that i became a work-life balance expert um again by a series of sort of odd kind of things um and and uh i was um doing a lot of research it was a it was a new idea at the time i mean it's that that long ago but it was you know what well, didn't even have a fixed name at the time it was called family friendly it was called weird things like sort of kind of I can't remember what even they were, kind of time, yeah, kind of management or anyway. But but eventually it sort of settled on work-life balance as the concept that we all know and love today. But I was mm. doing research with with banks, with um, with with universities, with um, big corporations, and also I did a lot of research with SMEs about work-life balance and how to how to you know make it possible within different kinds of working environments, and. Mm. I was approached by a publisher who wanted a book on well they wanted a corporate version um which was called the work-life manual and then they wanted a personal version which is called the book of balanced living so those were you know really kind of quite 
late on in my kind of um, thoughts about being a writer, they my my first book came much later than I thought it was might, and it was, certainly wasn't a novel. It was uh, it was a self help book, and interestingly, although I wasn't kind of thinking in these terms at all at the time. What it did was take me from being a backroom researcher to a, you know, well-known in my field consultant. Um, and it enabled me to, you know, become much more successful, charge more money for what I did. Um, I advised government. Um, there were all sorts of things that came from having a book published on my area of expertise, which mm. I later realized was, you know, what, what all entrepreneurs need to do. So there was basically this light bulb moment where you realized the power of the book because yeah. you were kind of, you were living, living through it. You know, you, you had written this book and things just started to appear that you weren't expecting, right? That's right. Yes, exactly that. Yes, yes. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a very similar experience to what I had. Um, but but, yeah. but going back to, 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 to the point, you, you'd written your first book, a self-help book, um, for time management and work-life balance. You were, you were passionate about writing novels, right? Because I know you, you've written four, four novels, is that right? Three, three novels, yes. Three novels. Three, so yeah. so what, what point did you start writing novels then? So that, it was sort of after that that I sort of felt, well, actually, um, because, <laughs> because this first book has given me, um, you know, a certain amount of, of kind of wiggle room financially, I thought I'll take some time out and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll write a first novel. Um, so I did. And I thought I'd, I think I also felt that I'd come to a stage in my life where I actually had something potentially interesting to write about, which was probably really what had stopped me writing fiction before the actual idea of, you know, what could be interesting enough. Um, so I started writing a book and because <laughs> because the the, the work-life balance book that I wrote had been pretty much dictated by the publisher in terms of structure and content. I mm. thought, for, okay, for a novel, I'm just going to go all out. I'm just going to be totally creative. I am going to get in the flow. I'm just going to, you know, have a few ideas and let things happen as I write. So I did that, and I and I absolutely loved writing it. I thought, you know, God, oh, this is I'm, I'm really doing cutting edge stuff here. This is so interesting. And I finished the first draft, and I sent it to an agent I knew, and um, and and she got back to me quite quickly. And I was kind of opening her letter, thinking, yeah, I'm this is this is it. And um, she she said to me, dear Lucy, thank you for your manuscript. Um, I'm afraid it was both boring and unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, no way. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that really wasn't what I was hoping for and expecting, no. But then yeah. I, I rang her up and I said, what do you mean? You know, it's about, you know, it's, it's quite close to my own life. How can it be unbelievable? It's How true. How dare you? <laughs> and she said, no, what you haven't got is there is no structure here. There's no plan. This isn't, you know, a novel is not the same as uh, as real life. And mm. you have to you have to create a structure. So I did a lot of work around structure at that point and thought about it. And then I rewrote the structure and then I put it away in a drawer and did nothing about it. But then a few years later, um, Richard and Judy, you probably too young to remember them, but they started their, their um, they had a, um, they've got a book club. They still have a book club. Um, they were hosts of a morning, big morning TV program. I know, I know Richard, Richard and Judy, yeah. not personally. Yeah. But right. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, they, they started their book club with a novel competition and right. they 
asked for um, an outline and, a, and one chapter. And I had written an outline and three chapters, but I kind of wove it into a single chapter and sent it in and heard no more about it for ages. But about nine months later, long after the deadline, when they said they were going to um, announce the winner, um, I got a letter from them, from Macmillan, the publishers, saying, mm. thanks for your, thanks for your um, submission. Uh, you haven't won. And I thought, well, that's very nice of you to write and tell me that. Um, but so, so um, you know, but I read on and it was, we had 47,000 entries and yours was one of 10 that we actually rather liked as wow. well. As um, would you, can, can we see the whole thing? And of course, there was no whole thing. <laughs> I had to call them up and say, you know, would you oh, be yeah. be interested in if I actually did write the rest? And um, what's a deadline? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I did write it. Um, they did like it, and they published it. And um, so I had a first novel published by Macmillan, which was um, which was very nice. But unfortunately, it was not a J.K. Rowling moment. And I wrote I wrote two more novels, and uh, and then uh, then I went back into self help and wrote a self help book, and got it published by a man called Joe Gregory, who had a company, a publishing company called Bookshaker. Um, I later realized sort of in the process of publishing that Joe lived like sort of half an hour's drive from me, which I didn't mm. even know. Um, and we met at a networking event. And then I went to, uh, I, I became his commissioning editor at Bookshaker. And then yeah. together we started Rethink Press. So mm. <laughs> in a funny kind of way, something I together yeah. and, uh, and uh, created, uh, yeah. Uh, what, what amazing what amazing startup story i love that really really cool so um so you you created rethink press and the, and the idea of rethink press was to basically guide business owners um on the, the a process of how to write a book and teach them the value of writing a book so yeah. before we go into the kind of process of writing a book could we could we touch base on why writing your own book is so powerful and then what I'd, what I'd like to do after that is talk about how accessible and easy it actually can be if you follow the right structure so so why is writing a book your own book so powerful well there's something about a book that is kind of archetypal um and 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 yet and yet incredibly modern i mean you can have you know your kindle version you can have your audio version but there's something about a printed book that has incredible authority and if somebody uh, gives you a book if you pick up a book if you read a book you feel that the author must know i mean it's it's partly about having written an extended piece of of of, of prose really um, about a subject you know well and the fact that you've done that and even though it seems when you're in certain circles like you know a, a certain entrepreneur circles where it seems like everybody's writing their book actually they're not it's still very special to be the author of a book um, and it gives you incredible credibility it gives you authority and it gives you kudos mm. uh, but it's also writing a book is also incredibly good for building a business because it is the best business card the best ambassador um, you could have it's like your business development manager if you write the right book about your business for and you write for your ideal client I mean that doesn't mean that other people won't be interested in it and won't want to read it but if you write as a direct 
conversation with your ideal client, telling them what they need to know, giving them value, really useful information, but also how you work with your clients and what it does for them. Um, mm. Then it's the best sort of selling. I mean, nothing sells you like a book. And it's partly because a book isn't a sales tool. It's not a marketing brochure. It's not a um, it's not social media. It's not an online video. I mean, nothing against those, Deb. You're very good at them. But a book, it goes out and just gives value. It has its own price tag, so it can't be salesy like a marketing brochure. But it makes people feel very, um, uh, you know, it, it makes people really believe in you and what you have to say. And it gives yeah. them a lot of people will read your book and think that's really really useful i'll go away and put that into practice myself but your ideal client will go away and read the book and think i need to work with this person they clearly know what they're talking about they can give me exactly what i need for my business to move on i need to be in touch with them so that's yeah. that's what a book does and it also is a real um, entree into if you're looking for for instance speaking gigs or um, media appearances or to feature on people's podcasts or um, blogs or be interviewed um, have articles written about you the book is the way into that it makes people think that you are um, and shows them that you are an interesting person with with something to say so yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah, I think you've summarized everything that I was thinking so so well, <laughs> you know. But it, it just it just carries so much weight, doesn't it? When you when you do yeah. hands in a book and and even you know for your profile, if you're if you're looking as everyone should as a business owner looking to build your personal brand, I think having a book just adds such a huge layer of credibility and authority. You know exactly as you were you were saying. Um, could you could you tell us a few success stories um, from people that you've mentored who've who weren't expecting to write a book, but they wrote a book and then the book's gone on to do amazing things for them. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm not sure if I should name names, but I mean, people attach actual figures to the um, to, to, to the amount that their book brings to their business. So, you know, I know um, authors who can say to me absolutely um, without, um, you know, without um, qualification that, you know, this client read my book, came back and 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 we did ten thousand pounds worth of business or or indeed a hundred thousand pounds worth of business really? top selling authors um uh says his book has literally brought in millions of pounds worth of wow. business over the last five five or so years um yeah. and it's just you know it's it's just i mean there are people I mean, the, the, the other thing that, that a book does is something that I call book magic because you can't predict what it is. Um, but I, I think practically every author at some point comes back to me and says, and the conversation always goes something like, you'll never guess what's happened. And then they mm. tell me something and then they say it's all because and it was all because of the book. So, for instance, yeah. um, I know someone who absolutely loves Michael Gerber's books, uh, sent him a copy of their book and got an email, personal email back from him saying, thanks for the book. I really enjoyed it. So that, you know, that was a huge thing, not necessarily a financial, um, you know, kind of reward, um, but, you know, something that was really important. Um, mm. Another author who... Um, uh, works on a sort of um, um, a, a kind of government um, level, uh, 
came back to us after three months and said, help, my book's been out for three months and my business has doubled and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I can't cope. What shall I do? So, um, yeah, it's an author problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of first world problem there. Um, <laughs> you know, other, other people get on to committees. Um, certainly uh, another author had uh, was given a, um, a speaking, uh, a wonderful overseas speaking gig, all expenses paid on the basis of her book. Um, so, I mean, yes, there are kind of endless success stories, really. And there mm. is always, you know, there are the ones that I've outlined that always happen. Yeah. If, you know, you have to leverage it. You have to work at it. You have to actually send your book out to people and give copies away. Um, but then, and and that, you know, all the other, all those, all those things will happen. But then there's always something unexpected um, that that also happens, and that might be like two weeks after your book's out or two years after your book's out. But something strangely magical will happen yeah, when, you, yeah. when you publish your book. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely relate to a lot of the the things you're saying. I, I mean. So, so just to put this in perspective, I, I did the, the KPI program with Daniel Priestley and Dent, and, and obviously Lucy plays a big, big role of that, um, doing one of the P's, which is publish. And, um, and I, I, I went into it not expecting to write a book at all. You know, I, I, I wasn't, wasn't anticipating writing a book at all. I just, we had just had our daughter who was just born. And so I felt like I had less time than everyone, but I was quite good at outsourcing. So I, I, I tried to make time. And I, and I wrote the book in three weeks and um, just by waking up every morning, sort of 5 a.m. And, and using the process that Lucy taught me and um, which long, long, to, long story short was to split it up into very, very small chunks. Um, and then I approached it as if I was writing a blog each day. And by doing that, you know, you wouldn't believe how, how quickly uh, you can write a book. But um, could you could you give us a bit more information uh, or a bit of an insight into your process? Because I know it's a it's a process that's helped over. 400 business owners you know create their book when they weren't really necessarily expecting to write a book and you know a lot of them would have said there's no way i could write a book they followed your yeah. process and they're writing books they're writing bestsellers you know it's they're getting they're getting huge opportunities because of it could you guide us through that a bit yes absolutely well i think going back to um going back to my first novel since then i've always been really really clear that the most important thing to do before you start writing is to have a very detailed structure so you know exactly what you are going to be writing at every stage through the book so as you say if you write a small amount a day you know you know that that is what you have to guide you through a really detailed contents page, not like the contents page you'll find in the front of a book which lists, you know, the chapters, but every single element that's going to be in your book. So all the subheadings within your chapters, case studies, your own anecdotes, um, pieces of research that you might have done or that you might have um, other people's work you might have been influenced by that you think your reader should know about. All those sorts of things need to be specified. But even before that, um, you need to position your book and get the right um, get get the right book for the right business for your business right now. And that's all about um, what I now call the three P's of position. So it's the person you're writing for, um, and that's your ideal client. Their their problem, their pain, and what they will be looking for for help, either from you as as, as an author or in you know whatever else you do, what what you do outside the book, um, and also your big promise 
So once you've got those three things sorted out and you know, you know, then you can be really clear because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, well, you know, I could put all this into writing a book and maybe it's not the right book. Maybe it won't resonate. Maybe no one will be interested. It doesn't have to be a bestseller in the sense of selling loads of books. It has to be a bestseller in in terms of selling the best ideas and value to your your ideal clients as readers. Mm, so that's yeah. that it out first, that bit. And then it's really not so hard to structure the book. Then you you work out. I mean, often entrepreneurs' books will be about the process that they take clients through. So they might come up with a model. They may, they may already have one, or you might develop one for the book, which is also incredibly good for the business. So for instance, I have a model called the writer process, which is how I take people through the writing of their books, which is W for write, review, R is review, and I is improve, and that's your first edit, review and improve, then test is when you send your book out to beta readers to get feedback and then E is your final edit and then ah oh, well actually it's a bit of a kind of con really because that's repeat but uh, but that you know that is an, a, an easy thing to remember the writer process it's easy for me to explain how to write a book in um, in manageable chunks it's easy to um, create, um, uh, I mean, to create a, a graphic for, a visual for, so it becomes my intellectual property as the author. Um, yeah. Nobody else can technically use the writer process. Uh, so, you know, that's something you do in a book, and then you've got a really good structure to your book. I mean, not everybody's book will be about their process, but that is a really that is a really good way to create um, a book for that, that sits well with your business. So, yes, you, you then break it down into, you know, very detailed structure. And when you feel you've got that right, only then should you start writing. And then you yeah. take, as I say, in in chunks. So first write your first draft. And that's what you did um, over that three weeks, which is actually an amazingly short time to do it, especially for someone with a you know, you know what it is, Lucy? I think I, I think I read the, the deadline wrong. I think I, the deadline was three months, and I, I thought it was three weeks. <laughs> oh, well, I must say that more well, often. Then. You corrected me. When I, when, I, when I was submitting the word card, no one said anything. So... <laughs> No, 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 absolutely. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, if you I mean, actually, I think that the, the, I, I usually say sort of six weeks, because if you're writing approximately a 30,000 word book mm. and you can write um, a thousand words a day, if you take an hour out of each day, often first thing in the morning works very well for people to get up an hour earlier. It's not I mean, I'm not saying this is, you know, great fun. Um, but you will get to enjoy it and you have to get into the habit of writing. And that's what makes it easier. I wouldn't say writing a book is ever easy, but uh, getting into a writing habit where you work at the same time, perhaps each day in the same place. So, you know, your brain quickly clicks into writing mode. If you can get your first draft written in chunks of a thousand words over six weeks, that's, you know, if you even if you work five days a week, um, you know, that's six weeks and your your first draft is done. And then it gets easier when you go back and do the editing and, you know, check how well it's worked. I mean, the thing about writing a first draft is just to get it out there. It's about mm. it as rough as you like. Nobody has to see that first draft. 
draft. Um, yeah. And I think it was uh, Ernest Hemingway who said, all, who said, all first drafts are shit. So if he can say that, um, <laughs> it's absolutely fine for everybody else's first draft to be shit too. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel sorry for the Rethink team who got my first draft and had to go through all my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it is just a case of getting out there, isn't it? Being prolific yeah. and just because because there's almost like this an element of imposter syndrome, or you know, I'm not a writer, I can't write a book, or you know, it doesn't make sense, or and you, if you're looking at a book which is you know thirty thousand words, it's so hard to to quickly reflect and be okay with the whole thing. Yeah, um, but, but again, you know, the sense sending it off to proofreaders, and and one of the things that really stood out to me was the system you used to create that structure. I don't know how much I can give away. But it no, was, it was right. yes, with, the no. cards, you with the like the deck of cards. Yes, yes, exactly. Could, yes, could so we that, still actually? use that absolutely, and we yes. So I mean, it's basically based on I haven't got to say here, but a, a, a pack of white index cards and a pack of coloured index cards, which have pink, yellow, green, and blue in them. So the first step can be to, um, especially if you're really not sure, you know, what you're going to put in your book, is to take uh, the the white cards and on each one write the title of something, uh, a topic that you need to get across to your ideal reader. So, you know, and think of it as, as I say, the length of a blog, blog post, the title of a blog post, and just do that really quickly, really intuitively. Mm -hmm. Don't stop and think, but what are all the things you need to get across to a reader? It doesn't have to be in any particular order. Just, you know, do, do that as quickly as you can. And then if you think about it, if you've got 30 uh, titles of blog post length topics, um, you've pretty much got the content of your book there. But the next stage is then to take, well, we use the blue cards next. And that's about, um, that's about illustrations for your book in terms of stories. So the greatest um, sales point in your book, really, apart from your, you know, your wonderful information and knowledge and experience, are your case studies, your personal case studies that you have, you know, what you have done with your own clients and the results you've 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 had so it's not about getting people to write you testimonials for your book it's about you telling little stories about how a client has a problem you have uh, intervened created an intervention and the result you get and if mm. you can drop those in to illustrate all the different points you're making throughout the book you have the most amazing sales tool that doesn't look like a sales tool it's yeah. really good information it tells people not just your theories and your your models and how you work but actually what you do on the ground um, so those are the blue cards and then the green yep. cards are more about sort of factual um, numbers based things like statistics like research you've done um, like um, top tips anything that sort of uh, you know it has a kind of more of a numerical kind of basis and again mm -hmm sprinkle those in drop those through don't put them all in one place don't put all your case studies in one chapter make sure that everything's sprinkled through so you have a really kind of you know your book is always engaging and intriguing the whole way through and then you're in a position to then um, divide those those sections those those you know those white cards will with their illustrations into chapters which we use the pink cards for so so divide divide all the content into reasonably equally length chapters because it's much easier for the reader if you have a consistent structure um, and you know you can just call them chapter one two three four you know however many chapters if you want um, but it's also quite good to give them a chapter title 
Um, and then finally, if your book divides neatly into bigger parts, like, you know, part one, part two and part three, you can use the yellow cards to, uh, to, to create that sort of definition mm. at the end. Um, but also remember that every book needs an introduction, not a great long one, 1500 words and a summary. Don't just leave the reader hanging at the end of the last chapter. Um, put in, you know, even if it's just 500 words to summarize everything, what they know now, but also back to the point where you can give them a call to action, you know, go to your website, download something for free, um, you know, in the scorecard. Billion scorecard, that's the one. The, yeah. the I, I mean, you, you might have, you might be able to correct me on this, but the things that I've seen work quite well in the summaries are where you offer them something in addition, which gives them even more value, which is which is free. So they've read yeah. your book, they, they've they've been sitting with you reading your book for uh, the last month or whatever. Maybe they're on holiday and there you are in their hand reading your book or the, you know wherever they are, and suddenly at the very end they get this, you know, well why don't you if you want to, you know, measure yourself on a scorecard to see where you're at in this process then there's one you can go to www.myscorecard.com and, and fill that in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, the scorecards are the scorecards a brilliant addition to the book, no doubt mm. about that, um, and gets them straight there. But, you know, even a download from your website, anything that looks to the reader and indeed is an added value, free value is great, but it's also yeah. a win for you, the author, because it gets your, gets your uh, reader, you know, turns them into, moves them along the client journey. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that, so, so this this structure for me worked worked brilliantly, and and it, and it was just so simple just to see it laid out like that. You know, we we filled in these cards, and then suddenly it was just you could just see your book. It took it took about two, no, it took about five or six hours. I think we were all sitting down filling them in, and before you know it, there they are. It's just you could yeah. just see your book in front That's of you. And it was just like, I can easily I can easily write five hundred words on each card. Yeah, you know, like you can write a blog in in a, in a morning easily. So if I can. I can easily write 500 words for each card. I can easily write a book, and suddenly there it is. And um, that's the one I wrote. There it is. You might recognise that cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, um, great, great cover. Yeah, great cover. But the um, there he is, that guy on the back. But the, um, um, the one of the one of the greatest things for me about the book was developing my methodology for what we do. And for me, I, I didn't. We, you know, we, we'd been running for about seven years, the business, and you know, it was going really, really well. But we hadn't sat down and developed a methodology. There wasn't a there wasn't a set four step, five step, six step process to what we do. Um, so what we did is, you know, what I did is is through that whole process that you guided us on was to really dig into that and extract that IP from what we were already doing. And you know, we we did that with a four step warrior method, which is community, inspire, challenge, lead, and it followed the system really, really easily. Um, and out came this book. And what was really cool is. You know, we've used that book um, as, as a real culture asset more, more than anything um, and also as part of the onboarding. So yes. every single member of staff who joins us, they have to read the book. And there's actually a quiz as part of our enrollment for new, new members of the team. There's, there's a quiz. They have to know the book inside out. And you know, so if a customer wants to speak to them, they know our philosophy. They know our methodology. They know our history. They know our case studies. They can come up with case studies. They can come up with quotes, statistics. And all these different things, and that and that really changed the dynamic of our culture within the organisation quite a bit. And the other thing I'd say, which was um, which was really beneficial, is we we gave it out to people for free when they when they first heard about us. So people would people would come for their for their meeting with us, you know, initial consultation, and they'd walk away with this with this pretty heavy business card. 
And I, I use these. I did, a re, I did a video recently about um, how I think business cards are a waste of time. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, can, you can get a lot more done by, by, you know, doing video content online. But a book's a very different thing. You know, not everyone, you're not going to go home with 30 business cards on people you don't know. And what I remember doing as well is, is going to the odd networking event with a briefcase full of these, and, you know, about seven or eight of them. And I wouldn't give out business cards. But what I would do is I would, if I really felt like I connected with someone, I'd say, look, I've, I've written a book. You can have it if you like. And they'd walk off with a handful of business cards from everyone else and a book that I had written under their arm. And it just made such a big difference, I think. It's just so much more memorable. And so, you know, from doing that, we had a lot of people interested in what we were doing. The, the word kind of spread, you know, very, very quickly. So it's Fantastic. super powerful. There's a lot of hidden ROI, I think, in, in writing a book. Yeah, well, I think one of the other things is even if even if you never publish your book, as you say, it gives you just just doing that structuring work and then unpicking, analyzing, and ex, you know expanding on all the points that you need to tell your clients over thirty odd thousand words gives you incredible clarity in your own business. And certainly, a lot of the um, the entrepreneurs who've worked with me have have found that they've pivoted their business, expanded their business, you know, moved it, made definitely improved it just through writing the book. And the other thing is that the act of writing kind of embeds things in your head so that it gives you an awful lot of confidence because everything you've written is kind of, you know, archived in your in your brain. And so if you're giving a talk, if you're being asked questions, you know, it's all there. The answers come easily. You know what you're talking about in a, in a much more clear and confident way um, than before you've you know before you've written your book it really helps you give better talks better keynotes better workshops all that sort of archive is there in the book and you can just extract it um, mm. and repurpose it for different media too so um while i think obviously if you've written a good book you should definitely get it published even the act of writing the book is um is is you know a benefit to you as a business owner yeah, definitely. I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, the, you know, when, when you're writing a 30,000 word book, you don't shoot for 30,000, you shoot for 40,000. And then you then you sort of wind it back and you cut it back and you, you just make it lean and perfect, right? Well, it's perfect yeah, as you think. Exactly. But it's but in, in that process of doing that, you have to you have to really dig into your thoughts about everything within that subject. And, and you know, I was forced to do, to do so much research to back up what I was saying. And yes, just like yes, you said, it, it, I think one of the one of the biggest kind of strengths we've got in, in our business and um, in the Warrior Academy is that clarity on our and uh, on, on on what we do and how we do it. You know that kind of the, the way we articulate what we do is is very very clear, um, yeah. and people resonate with it. And it's and it's because of the book. It's because we've spent that time digging into to why you know why we why we do what we do, the impact that makes, and the and the facts to back it up. And um, so yeah, for me, it added a lot of clarity. One of the, one of the things that I, I would ask is, um, is what would you say to people who are interested in writing a book, but they they don't know whether to self-publish um, or to, to try and find a traditional route or to do a Kickstarter? You guys do a hybrid version of yeah. self-publishing and 
traditional publishing, don't you? Could you explain that a little bit? Yes. Well, it's now, I think it's now kind of, um, certainly in the UK, um, our, what we do is is known as hybrid publishing. And we sit in the middle. At one end is traditional publishing, by which I mean publishers that you'll probably have heard of, like, you know, Penguin or Wiley or Bloomsbury or whatever. And they their business model is to invest in your book, you as the author. They pay to get the book created, edited, designed, published, all that. And, and, and marketed um, and then their only way of making money getting their return on their investment in your book is for you to sell lots of copies at retail so uh, they they are only interested therefore in authors who have a big following or who are already famous or have already written books or are or writing about a really broad subject that is going to be very attractive to a lot of people. So for a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs, you, we have a very niche market um, and it's not going to attract a traditional publisher um, to invest in the book. So the other op option that you can then go for is self-publishing, where in effect the author becomes a micro-publisher. If you haven't done this before, it may seem like an ideal way to go, but actually publishing is much more complicated than it seems. So for a start, self-publishing is a bit of a misnomer because you cannot do this on your own. I mean, I really do not try and publish a book without professionals. You must have a professional edit. You, you must have a professional cover designer. And by that, I don't mean a graphic designer who can might turn their hand to a bit of, uh, you know, book book covers. Really, you need a professional book cover designer because there is a real art and science to creating good book covers. And then you also really need a good typesetter designer for the interior of your book, setting your book in, in you know, as a Word document. It kind of 10 years ago when self-publishing started, it was kind of OK to do that, but it really isn't anymore. And you need to have a professional looking um, book as well as, you know, with good content. So you've got to find all these people. You've got to project management, project manage them, which is not as easy as it sounds. Very time consuming if you don't do it as a, um, as a, as a, you know, as your actual job. Um, and it, and you don't know what you don't know. That's the problem with self publishing. Um, and mm. it's much more complicated at the other end. Uploading to Amazon might seem easy enough, and converting your book to Kindle and all that sort of thing. But there's much more to it than that. Mm. And uh, so, so what we do is we come from a traditional publishing background. So we do everything that a traditional publisher does in terms of the professionalism of getting the book edited and designed and all that. We also project manage it. And that's often something that entrepreneurs, you know, I mean, you do what you do because you are good at what you do and you make money at what you do. So yeah. why spend your time um, learning a new um, skill that is not going to be useful to you, but will actually take a huge amount of time while you learn it. Yeah. You know? just, just, so to, just to jump in there, the, the, it's exactly my train of thought as well. You know, it's, I've seen people who have gone down the self-publishing the self route and there are so many things that are missed or it's hard, to, it's hard to find or they spend a huge amount of time, you know, correcting mistakes or, you know, going over the same thing again and again. Having that, having that level of support and outsourcing the majority of it, just it does speed everything up. And you know, if you're able to speed up the whole process and, and really just ensure you get it done, then it's it's so much it's so much more worthwhile. You know, getting a team on board, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I would say so because that's what I do. But that's why we started yeah. the company um, because you know it. it 
entrepreneurs need to I mean it's like having a website you know when you're when you're in startup mode and you have no budget you might do your own WordPress site and it kind of does the job it's not wonderful but you know it gets you out there but when you are you know when you're successful and, and you're turning over a decent amount then you pay a professional website creator and designer to to do that work and provide you with something that reflects your professionalism in what you do in terms of the website and a book is the same so you know you the hybrid model is is what a uh, what a traditional publisher does in terms of input but the author pays for that upfront they pay for the production of their book but then you're in control of it i mean we work very closely with authors so that we don't create rethink press books you couldn't kind of say oh that's a rethink press book necessarily but it's it, 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 because we work with the author's brand to get them their book. It doesn't look like a marketing brochure, but it does fit very nicely with, you know, their brand, their colors, their their fonts, whatever, where they want the book positioned. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, they are they are in charge because you're paying for it. You're in charge of the process. We want to give you the book that you want and you need. And then also mm. you're under no pressure as you would be from a traditional publisher to sell lots of retail copies of your book, because really for an entrepreneur, it's a complete waste of time to think, Oh, I need to be a bestseller and sell thousands of copies on Amazon or wherever, because that will net you kind of like one or two pounds per copy. While if you give away one book to the right client, you will get yeah. pounds or more. So, so this, is, this, is the other, this is the other thing. I remember I remember having a chat with Daniel Priestley about this and I was I was like, you know, this is this is a few years ago. And he, he was like, look, you know, if, you, if you're gonna if you're spending what you're spending on Facebook ads, you know, why why don't you spend five thousand pounds on on books? It'll get you I mean that would that would get you what, sort of almost a thousand books, right? Yeah. And probably more, oh, probably more oh, on that level. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe two thousand books. Yeah. If you if you if you gave two thousand books away to your ideal target market. And let's just say 10% read the book, right? 200 people read the book. They spent five or six hours getting to know you, building that familiarity, you know, learning about what you do, who you are, and the impact you make for your clients. And from those, you know, just 10% sign up to, to what your program is, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be making back way more than you would and, and have, that, have that bond with them more so than, than, a, than a typical advert, aren't you? So, Absolutely. so for yeah. me, and, and the, the other thing I really love about books is, um, I've, I've had the privilege of, of sticking this book on some fairly influential coffee tables <laughs> and, um, and yeah, across Dubai. And um, it's one of those things that, you know, if you give someone a, a, a leaflet or a card or a, or a brochure, whatever, it can go in the bin. A yeah. book rarely gets thrown away. It gets given to, you know, if, 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 you, if you write a book and, you know, it's, it's sitting in the, in the cupboard next to the dining room table, and they've all got their friends around. This is how I kind of picture it, right? People have got their friends around for a meal and the subject of what I talk about comes up. They'll say, do you know what? I know someone who's written a book about that. Here, you can have the book. And exactly. it's almost like the cycle continues. So it's not just one person who gets it. It's lots of different people, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That is absolutely what happens. And, you know, a book feels valuable, as you say. Mm. Nobody's going to put a, put, a, put a book in the bin. I mean, it just isn't what you do with a book, you know. Yeah. You, either pass it on or you you know you put it in your bookshelf or you leave it on your coffee table and it's mm. uh, you know, it's it's a really um you know just hold something that that nothing else i think really does so yeah, yeah absolutely amazing and um, guys if you've got any more questions fire them in i'll just quickly scroll up to see if we've got any more 
It's really about getting it down on paper, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think it is. <laughs> and having the right process to do it. And um, what's the yeah. most impactful book you've read? Uh, that's sort of the title, isn't it? The, the one that makes the biggest impact is the one that you write. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that's a good question. What is, what, is the, what is the book that's had the biggest impact on your life, Lucy? Oh, gosh, I hate that question. <laughs> there are so many. I find it really... Uh, it's, not you know, the, it's not the warrior method, is it? Uh, oh, oh, yes, that book. Right? Okay, that one, yes. okay. uh, actually, if I'm really honest, the, probably the book that has had the most impact on me is Jermaine Greer's The Female Eunuch. So it started me off in feminism a long, long time ago. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Let's have a look here. Any, any tips for starting your own book? It's amazing you've written so much already. I guess it gets easier after the first one. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, it gets easier, but I wouldn't say that it's ever, I think you go through when you're writing any book, you will always go through a kind of a, a, a particular sort of cycle where it starts off and you think, hey, this is going to be brilliant. And then you think, oh, maybe this is harder than I thought. And then you kind of go into, oh, God, this is so boring. Nobody's going to read this. I'm writing crap. And then you kind of get to about 20,000 words. And you think, oh, actually, no, I've got somewhere now. I can see where, where I'm going. And yeah, no, genius, brilliant. <laughs> but it's <laughs> you know, I think that happens with mo you know even even the twelfth time that happened to me. So um, mm. it's you know it's never simple. No. Okay, brilliant. And what about co-authoring? Because I, I think um, yeah, one of the things that I never really considered doing was co-authoring. And right now I've, I'm I'm co-authoring a book with Menno Menno Siebinger. Right. Um, yeah. Right. We've written seventy thousand words, and it's it's a book. It's an anti-bullying book to help support parents through bullying, or to help their mental children through bullying. And the, um, we've narrowed it down to about fifty thousand. Um, but it was actually a real pleasure to write a book with someone else and to bounce ideas yeah. off and have that yeah. accountability. Um, and to you know, two minds are greater than one. Uh, it was it was great the amount of content we were both bringing to the table. So. So that's another option, isn't it, really? To... Absolutely. And, and that obviously lightens the load. I mean, I've, I've written I've, I've written several co-authored books. And um, uh, the first one I wrote was The Real Secret, where I wrote it with a um, which is a, a self-help book. Um, and with that, my co-writer, Annabelle, and I wrote every other chapter. We, we discussed the overall content. Uh, we listed the chapters and then we picked the ones that we most liked. And I kind of in the end, I took the... Um, uh, the the final edit and kind of made it as I, I think sort of so it was a consistent voice I think that's important that you whether you yeah. co-author somebody needs to take control of the voice um, and then um, how to write your book without the fuss was written with Joe and uh, Joe Gregory uh, my business partner in Rethink and that came from different part I mean he had already written a book that was partly about what we were writing about so I took some of his books some of um, some of another book I'd written about writing fiction and kind of put it all together with a completely new slant on it and again it was what we did was have a voice that we that was basically we so I talked about you know all throughout you know we do this we do that we tell people this we suggest this mm -hmm. but then I would tell stories like well in Joe's case this happened and and uh, in Lucy's case uh, you know when Lucy did this this happened so the case studies were um, and the anecdotes were kind of personalized but yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't kind of chapter by chapter um, yeah. broken up but I think I, I really do think that somebody needs to probably take or, or it can be done by an editor at the end by a professional editor mm -hmm. uh, but um yeah usually i think one person takes charge of the writing um, yeah i don't know i don't know how you're doing it with menno it may be different 
Well, you're, you're going to get a copy in, in a month's time because I want you guys to publish it. You'll get, you'll get the first draft. And this, this, is the, this is the other thing. I mean, some, sometimes I've read self-published books. And if, you, if it is filled with mistakes, if you've ever read a book, which is, the, you know, the grammar's awful or the punctuation's bad or the spelling's terrible, and mine's terrible anyway, but without help, it'd be, you know, it would be really, really bad. But if, the, um, if you read a book like that, suddenly it's like uh, you sort of lose trust in the in the author and the credibility kind of goes a bit out the window it looks a bit rough so for me it was an absolute no-brainer to have a um yeah to have have a professional look over it you know and 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 so yeah you guys will definitely be getting um one of our books in the next in the next uh, couple of months round two here we go fantastic (laughs) the other thing that's really important is that you know again even with the editing there are things that in you know and unless you are a publisher or an editor there are things you don't know that you don't know so i mean we Mm -hmm. save um people from accidental plagiarism where or you know you might have downloaded some stuff from wikipedia and stuck it into something and not realize that actually you can't do that or you know gone to a, a, a quote site and you know put some inspirational quotes in but actually they're completely wrong and that person did not say that ever and yeah. you know, <laughs> things like that yeah, you, you can get yourself in some serious trouble if you don't if you don't play by the book so yeah, exactly. um and, and ask for permission you know we've had again yeah. you know don't get permission um, I mean I would always suggest you know if you're putting in quotes use ones that don't need permission that are out of copyright or whatever because it's such mm-hmm. a trying to get the permission and you know one of our authors was recently charged 250 dollars to use a very very much used um quote by Maya Angelou but because she had permission she had to pay for it if she wanted to use it so it's it's it's, um you know it's quite complicated the classic the classic pitfalls of self-publishing there you go guys you've got a you've got a good insight there for things to things to look out for um Lucy, yeah. thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your advice and insights and incredible story and background with everyone here at F10X Academy on the uh, Round Picks Girls podcast. Really, really appreciate it. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for asking me, Seb. That's all right. What's the, um, what's the best way for these guys to get in touch with you if they, if they oh, want to have a chat or... Yes, well, um, if you if you email info at rethinkpress.com, um, ask me for a copy of, I'll send you a PDF of how to write your book without the fuss. And if you want to talk about getting your book written or published, um, we can set up a, a call and talk you through the process and see if we can help you. Awesome. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.